Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I see some new faces. This is so exciting. My name is Gabby, and I am one of the leaders here. I will be guiding us in our centering prayer this morning, which is um, basically just meditation with yourself. And today, what I want to share with you is something that a client of mine said uh, this week. I was talking to her about her children, and I was just, you know, I give it up to the parents that are raising their kids. You know, right now there's just so much going on and a lot of things that maybe we don't all understand because a lot of things are new that are happening. And I asked her, I was like, you know, how do you explain certain things to your kids that you don't understand necessarily? And she told me, I always tell them that which you can't understand, just practice love. Always give it with love. And that so simple but it meant so much because that's what it is. Usually there's conflict when we don't understand understand things and we have this like resistance. And so I thought about that. I was like, okay, how beautiful we can practice love in those moments with others. But how often do we maybe not understand ourselves very well and we don't practice love? Instead, we resist and we're a little harsh with ourselves and we're not giving ourselves that grace that we deserve. So I want us today to really practice love, grace, and just surrendering in this moment. Does that sound okay? Good. Let's close our eyes. And you can allow your palms to face either up or down, whatever feels comfortable for you. Try to have a tall spine, and we're gonna take a deep breath together. Slowly inhaling nice and big, Vocal. Inhaling nice and big. Vocal. One more time. Inhale nice and big. Vocal. As you continue your breathing. Allow yourself to inhale through the nose, exhaling out of the nose. Allow the shoulders to come down a little bit more. Allow your body to relax as we allow the mind to relax with it. With each breath, we allow ourselves to go deeper within ourselves. We start to let go of all that we experienced before we arrived, letting go of all those thoughts, releasing all the emotions. We start to unpack all the heaviness that we've been carrying. 
and we allow ourselves to feel still. We recognize that we are here in a safe space, honoring this very moment by allowing yourself to truly let go. Release the guard that you have up. Let go, dropping the walls, allowing the heart to be open, so open that God comes right in, allowing ourselves to feel all the grace, all the love that God has for us, trusting that we are being divinely guided, trusting that He is always with us, trusting that the energy of love is deeply rooted within us. All of the love that you search for is already within yourself. All we have to do is claim it. You are worthy of this love. You are worthy of this peace. In the moments of stillness, when the mind begins to shut off and we allow ourselves to let go, that's when we hear the whispers of God's love, encouraging us, reminding us of all the purpose He created us with, of all the power within you. Trust that you were created in God's image. You are a walking manifestation of His love. There is nowhere you could go. There is nothing you could do to remove this love from you. Take another deep breath as we affirm all of this. We inhale nice and big, vocal. Allow yourself to let go just a little bit more. God knows all that you feel. God knows all that you've gone through. And he has never left you alone. Even when we may think it, God is always right there with you. Lean on him. Trust that with God, you can get through any storm. Allow God to be your center. Allow love to be your center. 
Allow this peace to be your true state of being, no matter the circumstance. You are whole. You are loved. And you are, oh, so worthy of all that you desire. Take another deep breath. Vocally exhaling. Before we open the eyes, let's take a moment to notice how we are breathing now. Notice how the body is feeling, how the mind is doing. I pray it is peace that has settled onto you. And I hope that it stays with you throughout your days. May peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends. Thank you all so much. What's going on, everybody? Good to see you. Happy Sunday. Everybody feeling all right? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we can spend this time together. Every Sunday we get to come and just kind of refresh ourselves, renew our minds, remind ourselves of what really matters most. And so my hope is for everybody that comes to Heartway to feel on Sunday like they got recharged from the inside out so that you can really face all of the crazy stuff that we tend to face week in and week out. And the title of my message today is called Spiritual Intelligence. Spiritual intelligence. And the guiding question for us today is, what does it mean to be truly intelligent? A lot of us think intelligence is about remembering things, memorizing things, right? And we tend to admire people that have a high capacity for this level of rational intelligence. Culturally speaking, people who are highly educated tend to have a higher sort of social status in the eyes of some folks. We uh, reward people and look up to people that are smart. But just because somebody can hold a lot of information in their head, just because somebody is able to memorize a lot of information, does that actually mean that they're intelligent? Well, I happen to have some great friends in my life who in the past have told me, Danny, you know, you're really smart when it comes to some things, and you're really dumb when it comes to other things. Why are you laughing so hard? You see what I'm saying? The people real close to me, they know that, you know. So that, you know, that's humbling in many ways. But it's true. You can be smart in some things and really dumb in other things. There's this story in the Hebrew scriptures, Daniel chapter 5. The king at the time was throwing this huge banquet, and they were celebrating and having this wonderful feast. And all of a sudden, according to this story, as they were having this beautiful banquet, there's a hand that appears and begins to write on a wall. And the king is scared. He cannot decrypt the message that was written on the wall. And so he calls the astrologers, all of the uh, people who do divination and magic, and he gets them together and says, can somebody help me to figure out what this message is that's coming from the gods? I want to know. 
and none of them could crack the code. And finally, there was one person who said, you know, your father, the king before you, Nebuchadnezzar, he had, he had a counselor. His name was Daniel. And maybe if we call him in, he'll be able to tell you what this means. And I want you to read this passage of scripture with me, which describes how the king perceived Daniel based on what others were saying about him. Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. What kind of intelligence did this man possess that the king would say, the spirit of the gods is in you. There is something divine about the wisdom and the knowledge that you carry, and it's different than most others. See, there are other forms of intelligence beyond rational intelligence. For example, there is such a thing as emotional intelligence. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Okay, emotional intelligence has nothing to do with how much you can memorize, how much you can read, how much information you can hold in your head. Emotional intelligence is about how you work with your emotions, how you're able to work with the emotions of other people in your life. Emotional intelligence is about having self-awareness, being able to recognize and understand your patterns and the way that you operate as a human being, the things that drive you. It's about having empathy towards other people, being able to understand their feelings, to be able to see things from different perspectives than your own. Emotional intelligence also involves uh, developing this resilience towards life's challenges, to be able to uh, keep going when things are tough and even when you feel down and discouraged. This is a whole other realm of intelligence that some of us never tap into. Now, you can be relatively mature when it comes to your emotional intelligence. And you can still be a spiritual infant. In the same way, you can have a high level of rational intelligence and have the emotional intelligence of a teenager. So rational intelligence has to do with the way you relate to information. Emotional intelligence has to do with the way you relate to emotions within yourself and others. But spiritual intelligence is about how you relate to existence as a whole. You can have a very high IQ and still not have peace in your life, right? You can have some sort of emotional intelligence you can identify your emotions, clearly articulate your emotions. You're not afraid of emotions. You've investigated your emotions and still not experience fulfillment in life. How can that be so? Because things like fulfillment, satisfaction, contentment, meaning, these all belong to the spiritual domain of life. Look at this chart that kind of paints a picture of the distinctions between these different kinds of intelligences. So you have IQ, rational intelligence, and the function of that is what I think. You have EQ, emotional intelligence, and the function of that is what I feel. 
Then you have SQ, which is spiritual intelligence, and the function of that is what I am. Spirituality always comes back down to the question of identity. Who am I? And that is a question that is very important for you to reflect on. Who am I? In some traditions, they say that the ultimate state of consciousness that a human being can attain is a state of consciousness referred to as no self. No self. What does that mean? I know it doesn't sound very practical or realistic because so much of our life is about building a strong sense of self, which is important. It's an important part of the journey. That rain is so great. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. She said driving on the freeway was hell. You know, there's a lot of people that stayed in bed today because that rain. So anyways, spiritual intelligence comes back to this core issue of identity. Who, who am I? And for many, the, the highest state of, of consciousness is, is no self. What does that mean? All that simply means is that you're no longer clinging to your ideas of who you think you are. You're no longer clinging to the ideas that others have projected onto you about who you are. No, no self. Imagine that you moved to a foreign country tomorrow and you didn't know anybody. Totally different language they speak over there. You have no connections. Nobody knows who you are, what you've built, what you achieved, what you've done with your life all of the great things that you've accomplished, you are a nobody. How would you be able to operate in a scenario like that? Who would you be? Who would you be without your titles? Who would you be without your roles? I love this imagery of, and it comes from the Adam and Eve story, this imagery of standing naked before God. Just you and your bare humanity, without any of the masks, without any of the roles, without any of the uh, stuff that you cling to for a strong sense of self, whether they be material things, who are you without any of that stuff? To be okay being nobody, to be okay being no one. The scriptures in the New Testament have this wonderful phrase, he must increase and I must decrease. What does that look like? Everybody in our culture and our society is trying to increase their value and their influence and their power and their social status. So what does it look like for you to take the lowly route, the humble route, where you no longer see yourself as being above or beneath anybody? but you see everybody with the same eyes. You see God in everyone and in everything. That is the birthplace of spiritual intelligence, when you can begin to uh, reflect on your identity and shed all of the false identities that you have picked up along the journey, all of those lesser identities, and tap into your true self, your true identity, who you are in God. Spiritual intelligence is attained through a process of unlearning, which is very different than rational intelligence, which is attained through a process of learning. Again, it's more information. Spiritual intelligence, it's the reverse. It's about unlearning all of the conditioned ways of thinking, 
all of the beliefs that have been instilled in you that maybe are not even truly your own. Secondhand beliefs. Things that you affirm just because it's what everybody else does. Interestingly enough, when it comes to the spiritual journey, a lot of people take a rational approach. It's all about getting more information, learning more information. I have to read more books and more books and more books. And that's normal. That's a part of it. I mean, that was me. If you go to my house, you'll see books everywhere, all over the place. I was obsessed. And I always thought I needed to learn something else. And it wasn't until I got to this place where I realized, hey, you've learned enough. Why don't you put into practice what you say you already know? (laughs) That I was able to let go of this anxiety really around gathering information, which came from this desire to be right, to be certain, to find security in my belief system. Well, what happens if your belief system gets shattered? What happens if somebody gives to you information that you're not used to and it jacks up your whole philosophical system? What are you going to do at that point? Important questions to ask. There's a very popular theologian from the Catholic Church. His name is St. Thomas Aquinas. And he, this guy wrote thousands and thousands of pages of theology and philosophy, talking about all the big questions of life. Well, towards the end of his life, he stopped writing abruptly. And his secretary was getting on him about it. She was like, dude, you got to write. People are expecting you to finish all these like, uh, writings that you've started. We want more. And, and Thomas Aquinas said to her, listen, I've had an experience of the absolute. I've had an experience of God that is so far beyond anything that I can ever communicate in speech that now I look back at all of my writings and I consider them to be straw. I consider them to be nothing. There is nothing else for me to write anymore. In the Zen tradition... There's a ton of stories of monks who would attain spiritual enlightenment. And as soon as that occurred, they would burn all of their spiritual texts as like a sign and a symbol that the truth cannot be contained in words. Truth has to be lived. Truth has to be embodied. Truth has to become who and what you are. Nowadays, listen, especially anybody heard of chat GPT? Oh, man, you guys got to do some Googling and, and look up ChatGPT. So this, this is whole thing. This is AI program. You ask it a question, and it can just, it synthesizes all information in the Internet and just gives to you this perfect answer to your question. And it's like Google on steroids. <laughs> and you can, you can ask ChatGPT to write a paper from the perspective of a scientist on quantum physics, and it'll write a paper. So, you know, university professors and people like that, they're scared out of their minds because they're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to be able to tell what's real and what's not? Because students can now just go on chat GPT, ask it a question, and it can write. And you can also uh, press a button so that it rewords it. So if, you, if, if it words it in a certain way and you want it to sound a little different, hey, can you say that again in a different way? And it does it in a different way. My point is, <laughs> so, you know, AI, all this stuff, is, is, is we're, we're all going to become robots one day or the robots are going to take over. That's my theory. But, you know, 
we're going to be cyborgs walking around here. We basically are with our iPhones already, you know. Everybody's always like this, you know. It's kind of cool, you know. Anyways, I say all of that to say that information can be communicated from a robot, right? Like, I've used ChatGPT, and I've asked ChatGPT spiritual questions. Can you, can you tell me about meditation and how that uh, positively affects our uh, brain? And ChatGPT will list it all out. My point is, a robot can say all the right things. A robot can give you all the right information. And human beings, of course, we can read something in a book and then just regurgitate it out, but we don't really know the truth because we haven't lived it. We just read it, and we have that information in our head, and we think that we got it. So it's, it's going to get harder and harder to differentiate the false from the real. Even if you see uh, a lot of videos and stuff online, how people are able to create stuff on video. Like, I saw a video of Elon Musk saying like some ridiculous things that it's not real. But when you look at this video, you're like, oh my gosh, this looks real. This is Elon Musk saying the, this, this joke. But it, it's not. This was somebody on a computer who was doing all of this. So how do you know what's real? How do you know what's false? Right? Anybody can say anything. What matters is who that person really is, the truth that you've been able to experience with your life, truth that is embodied. So I want to share with you today a few signs of spiritual intelligence so that if you have not been aware or if you have not thought about what it looks like to uh, step into this new domain of intelligence, you can begin to take steps in this direction. And one of the first signs of spiritual intelligence is that you're able to see larger patterns and connections. In other words, you're able to take your problems and you're able to take your challenges that you're going through and you place them within the wider context of God's plan and purpose for your life, which the scriptures say in the New Testament that God's plan and purpose for your life is to be conformed into the image of Christ. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition of Christianity, they use the word um, divinization, to become God-like, to become like God. Well, the only way that you will be able to uh, exude these divine qualities in your life, love, grace, forgiveness, only way you'll be able to do that is by going through the fire and allowing that to refine you. There's no other way to experience that kind of growth and development except by going through difficult situations in your life. So when you're able to take a step back from your problem and your situation, untangle yourself from your emotions, and see the bigger picture, that is when you begin to get spiritual insight, spiritual wisdom into whatever it is that you're going through. I personally think, and for myself, that Everything in life is just one big lesson in letting go. That's all it is. It's just one big lesson in letting go. And it's a lesson that God will teach you over and over and over again. See, the opposite of faith is not doubt. 
It's control. When you stop trying to control everything, now you'll be able to see the bigger picture. You'll be able to draw a connection between all of the different things that you've been experiencing. And you start to see patterns. You start to see the trajectory that God has been taking you on. We really don't deal with a lot of different issues throughout life. For a lot of us, there's one core issue that just keeps coming up again and again and again. So to be able to identify what that lesson is that God is teaching you, to be able to draw the connections, to see the patterns, to recognize how God has been moving in and through your life, that's how you begin to develop something called discernment. Through discernment, you become attuned to the voice of the Spirit within you. And that's when you can tap into something called intuition. Intuition simply means you are in tune with yourself. And you're living in harmony with your deepest values. You're not living according to what others think you should be doing. or You're not living according to their belief systems. You are in tune with yourself. And to walk in that way uh, provides so much peace and, and joy and contentment in life. So look at this uh, wonderful quote, two quotes from two incredible poets. The first, John O'Donohue, who says, I would love, oh, I'm skipping. I'll get to this after, actually. This gets me to my, to my, um, my second point, which is second sign of spiritual intelligence is to become responsive to the moment. You become responsive to the moment. One of the metaphors that I like when it comes to life is thinking about life as a river. Rivers run from the mountain to the sea. And it doesn't matter what path the river takes. Eventually, it ends up in the ocean. Well, in the same way, your destination is already set. The way I like to perceive it, God is our source and God is our destiny. This whole thing is all working together and leading you to become more in tune with your higher power, to walk in harmony with God. So you may, like the river, be in a certain position in life where you can go left or right, and you don't know which way to turn. Well, even if you go left or even if you go right and it feels like you made the wrong decision, you can take comfort in the fact that Eventually, the river will end up in the sea. So my point is, when you're able to take a step back, look at the bigger picture, and see that all of the twists and turns, all of the challenges in your life are there to get you closer to God. They're all there to develop you as a human being. That's when you can become way more open and receptive to life, to the moment. You become flexible. You can adjust as life changes. You can go with the flow of things just like a river. And of course, there's going to be rocks and hills, and you'll come across the rapids, and it's going to be difficult. But what matters most is how you navigate through those life challenges. A lot of times when we go through obstacles, we think that those obstacles are getting in the way of something that we want to do or accomplish. But the reality is the obstacle is the way. It is the way for you to establish a deeper connection with God, with yourself, with other people. It is the way for you to learn more about yourself, to overcome a lot of those habits that have been dragging you down, to become more free as a human being. That's always the point. 
the main point of everything is your spiritual growth and development. So when you can use that as a filter through which you interpret everything that you experience in life, guess what? The worst thing can happen. The worst thing can happen. And you'll still be able to see how it's beneficial for you. Because in some way, shape, or form, it is beneficial to your spiritual formation and your spiritual growth. It's just a matter of if you're open and receptive to what God is doing in and through the situation that you're in. And now we can read these two quotes from these poets. John O'Donohue says, I would love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. Another one, may what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back the way that it is with children. That's the way to live. If it's forced, it's not for you. It's got to be natural. It's got to be organic. Let that be the case in every area of your life. Some of us, we really want to be in a relationship, and we're forcing that thing. And it doesn't fit. But you can't be with yourself alone. And so you get yourself entangled in some things that are just not good. That's what happens when you force things, or even when it comes to our job our profession. We try and force our way to the top, whatever that looks like. Life becomes so much easier when you let things come to you, when you let things flow naturally and organically. If it's not natural, if it's not organic, I don't want it. If you try and take control over your life, you will be forcing things to happen, and it won't feel natural. It won't feel organic. It's so hard for us to relinquish that control because we think if I don't take charge, what's going to happen? Try it. You've been trying it your way for a while. You've been trying to push and shove your way to where you want to be. Why don't you let go? How's that? Uh, what's that Carrie Underwood song? Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand. <laughs> Whatever you got to sing to yourself, okay, <laughs> to feel better. Take your hands off the wheel. And see what happens. See how life has its own intelligence. Things will begin to move around in your favor, and you will have nothing to do with it. You'll just recognize the grace of God in all of it. Life is like a river in that way. Another sign of spiritual intelligence is that you move beyond dualistic thinking. You move beyond dualistic thinking. And this is so important. Dualistic thinking is the ego's operating system. This is how we are just naturally inclined to think. We think in binaries. We think in either ors. It's either this or it's either that. It's good or it's bad. It's right or it's wrong. It's true or it's false. And of course, what's true is always what we believe. And what we think is true. And what's false is the opposite of that. We always happen to be on the right side. Have you ever considered how odd that is? That you're always right? And that it's people who disagree with you that are always wrong? That's, something's up there, right? That's the kind of polarization that keeps us really in a state of, of just chaos in our society. It's the either or us versus them kind of thinking. The mind loves to label and judge and categorize. So 
anything that agrees with us, anything that we already understand, anything that we're comfortable with, we consider to be true. Anything that does not jive with us, that does not match with what we already agree, we say is totally false. And so we have these, these two polarities, and we don't realize that there's a huge spectrum between the two polarities. We settle for easy answers with a lot of big life questions. But the reality is there's so much subtlety that we miss when we only think in these rigid categories of good, bad, right, wrong. When you begin to judge reality less, when you stop trying to interpret everything and label everything and categorize anything, that's when you can begin to see reality for what it actually is. You see life for what it is instead of projecting your own stuff onto reality. And the more you practice this non-dual way of thinking, when your paradigm becomes both and instead of either or, you become more comfortable with paradox. You become more comfortable with mystery. You become more comfortable with the unknown. You're able to recognize that two opposite statements can both be true in their own way at the same time. Some of you are like, huh? What? Yes. Two opposite statements can both be true in their own way at the same time. So if someone says, you know, Danny, that guy's such a good guy. Well, you know, there's some truth in that. And someone said, well, you know, no, no, trust me, I've seen Danny. That dude, Danny, he's, he's, he's a bad guy. I, I can find some truth in that, too. Two opposite statements can both be true at the same time. So how do we bring the opposites together? That's when you begin to start inching your way towards some semblance of truth. It's not just this side that's right and the other side that's wrong. How can we see the partial truths on both sides and come together, bring those together to create a, a, third, a third way? That's really what we're trying to do here at Heartway. Uh, we, we have people on the conservative end of the spectrum. We have people on the liberal end of the spectrum. And we try and create a third way where people can meet each other in the middle. I may not agree with you and see the world entirely in the same way that you do, but there's some truth in what you say, and there's some truth in what I say. So what does dialogue look like? What is it that's able to bring opposites together? Love. Love is able to bring opposites together. I love the image of like Jesus hanging on the cross because next to him, on one side is a good criminal, and on the other side, it was a bad criminal, a good thief and a bad thief. And then you have Jesus in the middle, this beautiful divine symbol of love that holds the tension between the polarities. Okay, and how can you bring uh, into harmony the, the polarity within you? See, the scriptures describe human beings as both sinners and saints. We are both human and divine. So a lot of us, we try and repress and ignore and suppress the dark side of us and we act like it's not there and we come to places like this and we act like we're so holy and righteous and you know and I love God and I don't cuss and I don't do anything bad about about well that's not reality that's not reality you know so you've got to face your shadow 
Understand that you too have a dark side and figure out how do I integrate that and incorporate that without, you know, completely denying that that's a part of who I am and my reality. You bring the opposites together. You move beyond the dualism. Another aspect of this that's wonderful too is this idea of seeing the image of God in everyone. When you move beyond simplistic, dualistic thinking, where everything is about labels and categorizing, when you see other human beings, your first thought isn't, oh, black, white, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat. No, it's image of God, image of God, image of God, image of God. I was talking to someone from Hartway yesterday who, you know, he's going to see somebody who's like a, a spiritual teacher and a mentor to him. And he told me that this woman said to him, she picked up the Bible, she read the first few chapters, and as soon as she read the verse that said, man was created in the image of God, she shut it and said, what else do I need to read in this book? That is it. It's the whole thing. To be able to see that you are a reflection of divinity, to be able to see that other people are a reflection of divinity, even though they may look totally different than you and speak totally different than you and think totally different than you. My primary filter for life is image of God. God in everyone and God in everything. The last sign of spiritual intelligence, I'll leave you with this, is that you feel at home with yourself. This one's big, guys. You feel at home with yourself. Here's a question I want to ask you. When you are alone, do you feel at home with yourself? When you are alone, do you feel at home with yourself? If you don't feel at home with yourself, it doesn't matter what you're looking to for happiness. It's not ever going to give it to you. Not totally. Not completely. Because happiness does not come from the outside, it comes from within. Happiness is an inside job. Everything in life comes and goes. People come and go, things come and go, possessions come and go. And at the end of it all, you will always be left with yourself. The question becomes, how can I be alone without feeling lonely? Loneliness implies there's a gap that needs to be filled. There's a need that I have. Aloneness signifies a sense of completeness. So the more you become comfortable being alone, the more solitude that you practice, the more whole you become so that you don't need anything or anyone outside of you to complete you. Why is this important? Because your capacity to be alone is directly correlated to your capacity to love. If you're not able to truly be at home with yourself when you are alone, what you call love is really just attachment. And with attachment comes possessiveness. And with possessiveness comes jealousy. Love is freedom. What a lot of us consider love, what a lot of us consider marriage is prison. I have certain expectations on this person. I need them to live up to these expectations so that I can be happy and content. 
And if they don't meet that criteria, I'm not going to be happy. So I have to try and control them. Who wants to be in something like that? But most of us, but most of us, most of us think that that's normal. Most of us think jealousy is normal. Most of us think possessiveness is normal. Love, true love, is freedom. And you won't be able to give another individual the freedom to be completely and totally who they are if you need them to be something that they're not in order for you to feel complete. But when you come to the recognition that happiness comes from within, you'll know whether this person stays or whether this person goes, I'm still going to be happy. When I went through my divorce, I had people... uh, tell me sometimes they're like I guess because you know I have had a a positive outlook on that whole experience difficult for sure but I see how God has moved in and through this in my life right and even in the life of the community I remember one guy he was talking to me about it and uh, he's like so I don't get it like you're not you don't seem like super depressed are you are you happier now I'm like no, I'm just as happy now as I was when I was married. Because the happiness never had anything to do with the other person. That happiness comes from God. That happiness comes from within. And when you, when you really have that, the other person that you're with, they can tomorrow decide, you know what, I want to be with someone else. And you'll bless them. You'll bless them because if you actually really love somebody, you want for them what they want for them. So if this person wants some, someone else or if this person wants to explore something else, you're open to that. Love has nothing to do with possessiveness. Love has nothing to do with jealousy. Now, again, unfortunately, some people don't recognize that. They think the complete opposite. They think, oh, you know, this guy must really not love this person because he's not reacting in a certain way or he's not being possessive. And it's a shame that that's the way that it is. But true love, true love means freedom. You don't put people in a prison. You let them be. And that comes from feeling at home with yourself. For some of us, the scariest thing in the world is to be alone with our thoughts. The scariest thing in the world is to be alone with your thoughts. There's one teacher by the name of uh, Byron Katie. Her, she has a book titled, A Mind at Home with Itself. Chew on that metaphor for a little bit. A mind at home with itself. You're comfortable with yourself. Yes, your mind may go in a million different directions, thinking a bunch of crazy things. But can you find that place of stillness within you? What one teacher refers to as the watcher. Can you become the watcher? Instead of believing every thought that comes into your mind, can you just notice and become aware of your thoughts, your moods, your feelings, without clinging to them? Eventually, you start to recognize that there's this spaciousness in you this 
just this spaciousness in you and this place in you that when you find it, you're untouched by all the stuff that happens in the surface. You're untouched by that. That's why the scriptures speak of God as a refuge. It's my refuge in time of need. There's a place of refuge within you. You know, you don't have to go on a vacation to experience a retreat. You can go within yourself. And you just become familiar with your inner life. Stop fearing the voices in your head. You start befriending them. You become comfortable with them. That's how you become at home with yourself. And the more comfortable you are with yourself, the more comfortable you become with other people too. It's always a give and take. And so that's my little spiel on spiritual intelligence. I hope uh, you got something from it. Okay, I'm sure everybody here has a little bit of spiritual intelligence. If you've been hanging around Heartway for a little while, you got some of this. You can see the larger patterns. You're, you're hopefully a little more flexible and responsive to the changes that come in life. You know, you don't just label and categorize anything uh, all the time. You're, you're a little more open-minded. You're able to go with the flow of things. And you're hopefully becoming more and more comfortable with who you are, comfortable in your own skin. Your mind is at home with itself. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for your goodness in our lives. And God, we ask that you would help us to experience this kind of spiritual intelligence. Uh, may we recognize that it's not all about the information we've got in our head. It's not all about the books that we read and the knowledge that we have. But it's about the truth that we live. Help us to perceive things in a way that allows us to see your hand at work in anything and everything that we go through. May we embody love. May we embody truth. May we see things for what they are instead of projecting onto reality all of our, all of our stuff. Help us to clear the palette of our mind, to accept life exactly as it comes to us to learn how to be alone at home with ourselves and to become more grateful and more thankful for your presence that is with us every moment of every day. Amen. All right, guys. Love you. Thank you for being here. And uh, we'll catch you next weekend.